You have a dough, right? And it has to be a certain amount of dough, not just a small amount. Something roughly, uh, approximately three and a half pounds of dough. Then we're supposed to remove the hala. Take a piece of the hala, we give it to the coin. Now, it says, I mean, actually, it says over there that this particular mitzvah is applicable in Eretz Israel, which is, according to the Torah, that's so. The Hachamim instituted that it should be done even outside of Eretz Israel because uh, that we should not forget about the whole idea of the Chala, and therefore the uh, institute should be done even outside of Israel. Of course, the mitzvah of hala only pertains to only the five kinds of cereals, the same cereals that you're allowed, that uh, you're supposed to uh, use uh, for the matzah for Pesach. And that is the wheat, barley, oats, rye, and spelt. These are the ones that are supposed to be used. Question here, really very important question. It seems that when it comes to bread, which is a very important staple in the life of a human being, there is some kind of uh, double taxation. Let me explain. All the other produce of the land, for example, anavim, grapes, rimonim, pomegranates, figs, apples, whatever. After the harvest, you take the terumah, the maaser, after the maaser, that's it. Finished. You can take now the whatever is left over, belongs to you. You can make uh, grape juice if you want. You can make marmalade. There's no additional tax, sort of, you know, quote, tax to pay. The master, after the master, that's it. For the bread, not only you have to take the teruman master, but you also have to take an additional piece of halat to give to the kohen. And this was no, like, a tiny amount. I mean, of course, according to the Torah, there's no sheur. There's no specific uh, 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 amount that you're supposed to give, but the hachamim, for approximately 4% for an individual and 2% for a business. Well, you know, that's uh, significant. And outside of Israel, it, we don't have to, to go through all that. I mean, kazait is enough. But Abzalman Sorotskin raises a question. He says, other governments, in other countries, for example, they, the government goes through uh, a, a lot of pain to actually lower the taxes for farmers who produce wheat, or sometimes no tax at all. In some cases, they actually subsidize the farmers. To the farmer, okay, if you grow wheat, I'm going to give you even more money to do so. Here the Torah is just the opposite. The Torah is telling us that besides the regular master, you have to give also teruma. You have to give uh, hala. Well, we cannot look at it that way. The answer is, this is not a tax. This is a beracha. Now, let me explain that. Wheat, bread, is a staple of life. And because it is so, 
a person can eat it all the time. I mean, if you eat the, the food you like best, I don't care what it is, steak, fish, chocolate, doesn't matter what. You eat it one day, you love it. You eat it a second day, five days in a row, maybe you'll tolerate it. But after a week in a row, you're not going to like it anymore. Bread, you could eat it three times a day. For 90 years, you don't get sick of it. Because it is a staple of life. And because it is, Hashem is giving us an additional beracha, an additional blessing. You know, the ma'aser is also a beracha. It says, aser te'aser. Aser bishmil shetit asher. In other words, a person that gives 10%, that's not a tax. The Torah is saying, if you do that, you become richer. You don't lose on the deal. You give 10%, then Gadosh Baruch will give you more. It's a beracha. And the halah is also a beracha. It says in a haskel, here's the pasuk, listen carefully. Vereshit arisotechem titenu la kohen. In other words, the halah, you give to the kohen. Why? Lehaniyah beracha el betecha. This will bring a beracha to your home. The halah is also a beracha. The maaser is a beracha, as well as the halah. There is a slight evidence, okay, from the Tanakh in Melachim with regard to this idea that the halah is a beracha. Now, as you know, uh, there was a division between the north of Israel and the south of Israel. The south, the kings on the south were called Malchei Yehuda, the kings of Yehuda. The kings on the north were called Malchei Israel. As there was one of the kings of Israel, that is in the north, who was Rasha. His name was Ahab. He was Obed Avodazara. And not only was Obed Avodazara, he didn't care if the rest of the, of the country, of his kingdom, but of the Avodaz didn't care either. Hazal said that when he, he, once he met Elio and Navi, he said to him, Look, it says in the Torah, And I'll be careful. Maybe your heart will be enticed. And you go ahead, and you worship foreign idols. And it says, And it says, will be extremely angry. That's the punishment of Abu Dazah. will stop the heavens, the skies, and there won't be any rain. So the punishment is no rain. And, and in a mocking way, the king Ahab turns to Eliyahu and Navi and says, Look, the whole, the whole, the whole kingdom over here. And there's so much rain. I can't even cross the street 
to go to Abadan because of the water, so much rain. Eliyahu Nabi, who was a Kanai, said to him, Hi Hashem, he swore that there's not going to be any rain until he says so. And there was a drought. No rain. And of course he was uh, scared of the king and he ran away and Hashem told him, go to this, this river over here. And you stay there, you drink the water from the river and then the Orbeam, the ravens, will bring the food. After a year, the river itself dried up. No more water available. So what was he going to do now? And Hashem came to Eliyahu and he says, you know what? Kum lech tzorfata. Go to this place called Tzorfata in Sidon. And then you'll find a widow, a woman, a widow. She will take care of you. She'll give you food and whatever you need. He went there and he found this uh, widow woman. She was gathering a couple of uh, a couple of twigs to make a, a small little fire. So he uh, he called her. He says, "Give me some water. I want a drink." Uh, so as she was going, he said to her, "Also, give me some bread to eat." So she turns to him. He says, "She says, Hi, Hashem.' She swears, all I have is." a handful of flour okay, in a jug and a tiny bit of oil in a flask. I'm gathering a, you know, a couple of twigs here and I'm going to, you know, to make a little fire to bake this, a couple of uh, uh, cookies or whatever for me and my son. And after they will eat that, they will die because of starvation. They had nothing to eat. So Eliyahu and Nabi says to her, wait a minute, I'll tear Don't be scared. Do as you said, but, in other words, bake the cookies, but give me a small cookie for me first, me first, and then what's left over, you'll give to your, you'll eat and give to your son. And after that, there will be a berakha. The, the, the jug of flour will keep on increasing in flour, and the flask, the flask of oil will keep on increasing in oil until the rains start coming down. Now, if you look at the Radak over there, he mentions the following. He says, why Eliyahu insisted that she should give him first and then they will eat afterwards. And there was a beracha. Because Eliyahu was a Kohen. When she takes the halah, when she gives him first, the halah she takes to him, there will be a beracha. There's a zikhut of the beracha. So we see that the halah, the ma'asir, of course, is a beracha because the hachamim say, you never lose on the deal. But the hala also, the Navi says, and the Radak actually uh, supports that by, in this particular uh, 
story here from the Tanakh where Eliyahu insisted, give me first, because that will be the halal and there will be a berakha. As we're talking about Ahab, let me mention something that has some uh, 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 implication to the parasha of the Meraglim. Ahab, we said, was a rasha. Because he was a rasha, at one point, it says in the Tanakh that he saw a vineyard that belonged to somebody else, to Nabot, Nabot Israeli. He coveted that vineyard. He envied it. He wanted it. He desired it very badly. He had a lust for it. So he went over to Nabot. He says, you know what? Give me, give me your, this vineyard. It's right next to mine. I want it. I'll pay you for it. And Abu says, look, this is not just something that I purchased. Something that I purchased, okay. But this is an ahala. This is an inheritance that I have from, you know, way back. Or down the line, parents from grandparents, parents, and so on. And this is my nahala. I don't want to uh, uh, get rid of it. I, I, I don't want to. I want to keep it. Of course, uh, the king was felt very bad. And there. He goes home and his wife says, Don't worry. What are you worried about? Well, we're going to hire two false witnesses. We're going to say, these this false witnesses would say that Navot, he blasphemed and also at the same time he cursed the king and the, 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 the witnesses will testify to it and it'll be executed and you just take it. You take it for free. The kin'ah, the jealousy can bring a person to murder. That's what happened here. It's murder. And she did hire his wife, Isabel. She did hire two witnesses, and he was executed. And the king took over the vineyard. This is what we say in Pirkei Avot. Hakin'ah, hata'ava, Jealousy, like uh, we're going to be reading next Shabbat. Korah, you know, he was jealous. He wanted the whole thing himself. At the end, he was gone. Ta'ava, lust. Kavod. Ta'ava is what uh, Ahab did. Rasha Mirusha. Rasha Mirusha. As there was a punishment that was given to him over there in in the uh, in Melachim. Look it up over there. And uh, and the Kavod. Kavod. We see Kavod from where? From the parasha we read yesterday. The parasha we read yesterday. We see how Kavod can drive a person completely out of his mind. 
and change everything that he has in his mind to the point of heresy. A Pikursut Mamash, a guy was heretic, rebellious, he rebels against the, the Torah and against Hasri Shalom Makadush Baruch. When you look into the parasha of the Miraglim, you say to yourself, how did this happen? He says, Anashim. Anashim meaning Hashuvim. They were Hashuvim. In fact, the Ramban points out something very interesting. The Ramban, very interesting. He says, what is the order that the Torah gives us for the names of the people that were supposed to be the scouts. I mean, what kind of order is that? Obviously, it's not alphabetical order. It's not chronological order either. You look, you see, it's not, it's not uh, by, uh, by birth either. It's not by tribe formation either. So what, you know, what order is this? The Ramban concludes that this is order of Hashivut. Hashivut. The first one, Shamu'a bin Zakur, was the most hashuv, so he was listed first. Now, if you go by the order of hashivut, we see that Yoshua bin Nun is listed number five. Number five, that means if he's number five, and we know Yoshua bin Nun was a great leader, brought the people, the Bnei Israel to Eretz Israel, fought the kings, a great leader. And there was four of them that were even ahead of him in Hashivu. That's how great these people were. So what happened? They come and they give a negative report. And Lashonara. But it's not just a, a negative report here, you know. It's in Hazak Mimenu, this has been shalom, that these people as stronger Mimenu, and the Midrash says they're talking about Hashem. We can't possibly go there. What's the idea behind this? Well, we said there are three things that drive a person out of this world. Jealousy, kin'ah, ta'ava, lust, kavod. Here is a question of kavod. What does that mean? Right now, all these 12 people, the leaders... They had great hashivut. People had tremendous kabod for them. Once they go into Eretz Israel, if they bring, if those 10 people that spoke Lashonara, if instead they brought a good report, they'll be going right into Eretz Israel. Eh? And they'll be, they'll be finished. There'll be nothing. There'll be nobodies. Their whole status. The whole ma'amad of being leaders is gone. They're going to lose their kavod. Better not talk good about Eris Israel and stay in the desert. This way they'll keep the kavod. Hashem didn't like that. That's not, no. It, because of the kavod, they spoke Lashonara on Eris Israel. And Lashonara, Hasvi Shalom, even about you know the 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 the, the, the power uh, of Akadosh Baruch Hu, Shalom. 
That's what kavod is. And that's what kavod does. You know, Rabbi Yonatan Eipschutz was a great sage, Ashkenazic sage of the 18th century. He, he had an experience once when he was a, in a shul, not in his own town, but outside. And it was Erev Yom Kippur. And he prayed Minha with the people. And there was someone right next to him who was praying with such kavana, with such concentration, and, and even to the point where he would actually cry. You know, in Minha of Yom Kippur, we say, Al Het, Al Het, Al Het, Al Het, all the sin, that sin, this sin, and he was crying hysterical. So when the Gabai came to to ask him, where would you like to sit? He says, I want to sit next to this Jew here. Well, no problem. He sits next to him. You see, when it comes, Lel Kippur, again, the man was praying with such fervor, which is zeal, unbelievable. And he was saying, you know, at the end of the Amidah over there, uh, on the, we say, I'm a nobody, I'm like a dust of the earth. And he was saying that, and dust of the earth, and he was crying. Well, Rabbi Yonatan was really very impressed from him until something happened the next day. When he came to the Aliyah for the Torah, now, as you know, Yom Kippur, there's uh, six Aliyot. So they called the Kohen, the Levi, Israel, Rebbe, and the Gabai comes for Hamishi. He wants to honor this Jew that was sitting next to Rabbi Ipschutz. He's honoring him for Hamishi. And the man explodes. What? You give me Hamishi? This and this man you give Shelishi? This and this man you give Rebbe? Me you give Hamishi? How dare you? And he screams at him. He said, those two people are nothing compared to me. You give him that, him there. You know, Rabbi Yonatan Ipsis was stunned. He couldn't believe himself. He's the man. He was crying. He's nothing. He's dust. And now, all of a sudden, he's screaming at the Gabai. Because he gave him Aliyah. That was not the first, the Rebbe, it was not Shilishi Rebbe. So he asked him, he says, you know, you know, I, I heard you pray with, with such kavana and all this, and you know, nobody, all of a sudden. So he says to him, you see, in front of Hashem, I'm a nobody. But in front of these people, mm -hmm. <laughs> they are nobody compared to me. Abutai. We understand now our kavod. There is kavod. A person has to respect another person, that's fine. But a person who is always requiring kavod, he demands kavod, people will not give it to him. 
היסס, הרודף אחרי הכבוד, הכבוד בורח ממנו. A person is going to always pursue the kavod, the kavod would run away from him. Ha-boreyah me'akav, a person who, stay, who runs away from kavod, kavod rodef aharav, the kavod will pursue him, will go after him. We cannot, you know, I, I heard once that Rabbi Yaakov Qasin alava shalom, He used to come in, and Shahrit walk in in Baruch Amar. Baruch Amar, he was, a, you know, the rabbi of the synagogue. He didn't come, you know, Korbanot, or this, you know, Baruch Amar he came. So they asked him, why are you coming, Baruch Amar? He said, because if he comes earlier, everybody's going to get up for him. He didn't want that. It was a big anav, tremendous anav, Rabbi Yaakov Kassim. Baruch Shema, everybody's up. They all, we all stand, Baruch Shema. So then he walks in, nobody has to stand up for him. You see how our Hachamim, Alayhim Shalom, they were midaktik to the point where even a small thing meant a lot to them. I don't have to describe to you the Anava of, of Ramoshi Feinstein, Alayhim Shalom, the Anava of Rabbi Pam, This, it, it, it's unbelievable. It, 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 we can't possibly uh, uh, even describe it. Why? They don't need kavod. And because of their anava, they had more and more kavod. Who did not respect Rabbi Pam al-Vashalom? Who did not give kavod to Rabbi Moshe Feinstein al-Vashalom? They didn't want it. But The kabod was pursuing them. People gave him kabod because they deserved it and they did not ask for it. Very important. These three things, jealousy, envy, ta'ava, eh? lust for things, lust, this great desire for somebody, this one, eh? I want this, I want, I want the best this in the world. Kabod. That's no good. These are horrible midot. And we should always stay away from them. And Be'ezat Hashem, if we improve on our midot and do the mitzvot of Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch will bring us our Mashiach Tzitkenu. Amen. Rabbi I want to remind you about the importance uh, of this uh, radio station. We have to keep it going. There's a lot of good in the community. And if you can help and contribute to it, Kol HaKavot Lachem. Very important. At the same time, I want to remind you that we do have a, a renovated, we have renovated our social hall. Uh, the ballroom is absolutely stunning. Uh, our Aruna Kodesh Deichal is unbelievably, is breathless. And if you have any simha, please get in touch with us. I'm sure we'll be able to accommodate you. Shavua Tov. יסכו למסוות.